Let me just unpack my 17 pages. <laughs> Nicholas is not even thinking that's funny. He thinks that's the truth. What are you doing, Nicholas? <laughs> Did you capture that for history? We, um, we finished off with Palm Sunday with our previous series that was about um, Jesus as the original punk in which we focused a lot on parables. Most of those parables are about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Um, and Nicholas last week uh, gave kind of a summary, a summative teaching um, about it all. We're in the in-between at this stage. We're between Easter and Pentecost. Uh, well, e Easter and um, the Ascension and then obviously Pentecost. So... We, we are moving into kingdom, t kingdom time. Who knows what kingdom time is? Kingdom time in liturgical year. You want to take a guess? What do we normally focus on? Ordinary. It's ordinary time, yes. Kingdom time, ordinary time. It's where we, because the first half of the year is full of celebrations. Um, and then we get into this time of, okay, so what do we do with what we've been celebrating all of this time? How does this figure in our lives? And... I want to start us off, in a sense, in that, but still continue on with what Nick talked about last week. And the only way to really, I think, to really start thinking about how does this change my life, does this change my life, is to take things that are happening in our lives now. Otherwise, we tend to talk in the air, and it's beautiful, and it can sound great, but it doesn't necessarily meet up with our realities. So... In my teaching today, I want to, tonight, I want to take two things that have happened and that I have thought about a lot. I'm a thinker, I'm always thinking, but that have made me wonder about the kingdom of God, about what we as Christians who have just celebrated Easter, God has saved us all, has reconciled himself with us, what we are supposed to do with that. And the first thing is, um, well, it's time. Every time I heard it's time, I always think about Kenako and the Soccer World Cup. <laughs> so um, until six weeks ago, um, I think that's about when somebody on, on WhatsApp sent a video to Angus Bucken saying, please, will you hold a prayer meeting or something because this country is going under and we need you. And he had a vision in which he heard it's time and one million. And so they prepared a place in Bloemfontein, a farm. They prepared for 1.7 million people. Um, you can go on to the other. As you can see, that was what, how it looked yesterday. Um, political party leaders were there. Musi Maimane was there. Um, so people with planes came in. They were supposed to start at 12, I think. They only started at 2 because there were so many people. Um, Angus is convinced that there was a million. Nobody counted, but he says there was definitely a million. There were lots of thousands of people in any way. Um, and the whole point of the its time was to say, but South Africa is in crisis, and we need to get together and pray. And this is where it can become a little awkward. 
all of us have feelings. You might not have feelings about Angus Bucking himself, or you might. They might be positive, they might be negative. You might have feelings about the event that happened. You might have been there, it might have been amazing. The things that I've heard and read, um, there were wonderful prayers going on. People were energized. They, people came from the Cape, came from everywhere. People from all over the world, the South Africans that have formed small South Africans in other countries like England. Um, all joined in the prayer and were there in spirit and praying on. But something, something about it sits a little uncomfortably in me. And that something is when I listened to the things that were being said by Angus Buck and by the people attending. Of course, he starts with and saying it's intended for all South Africans of all genders, races, denominations, he doesn't say anything about sexuality, who are concerned about the malice, hatred, violence, murder, and corruption in the country. It's time to stop pointing fingers, wonderful, disparaging and insulting, and to acknowledge that we are all to blame in some other way, and we should embrace one another in Christ. It's time to suit the action to the word. We declare war on the disregard for human life and unkindness. So yesterday, they we will be drawing a line in the sand. We are tired of people taking the law in their own hands. We are going to call upon the Lord to bring justice, peace, and hope to our beloved South Africa. Political gathering. That's me with my jersey interfering with this. Sorry. Um, it's not a political It's not a political gathering, it's a prayer meeting to invite God to save the country. So, and what I heard, because I know a lot of people who were there, it's all about giving the country to God, um, about warning the president, don't mess with God, um, and coming back as a nation, saying we need to repent, we need to change, and we need to do that as a group together. He even went as far as saying it doesn't help that we only gather by ourselves or in groups of one or two. We need to gather as a nation. And why that bothers me is because it sounds a lot like a very central text but in the Old Testament, which is Leviticus 19 verse 1, which says basically the... the It's commanding us. The command is to be holy because I am holy. Um, we talked about it the first time that I was here. I taught here. That that command was the focus of everything. So because God is holy, we need to be holy. And what does holiness mean? Holiness means isolation. Holiness means um, making sure that you do nothing, that you don't come into contact with anything, that you don't say anything, think anything, see anything that can possibly lead to unholiness. And if you are unholy, you have to repent and become holy again. And if you do that, then God will be with you again. So along with the holiness, there was, holiness was kind of your prerequisite. If you wanted God's blessing, then you had to be holy. And if you weren't holy, you would be punished in some sort of way. And, but if you then came back to God, he would, he would be with you again. He would forgive you and you would have peace and there would be success. And I hear a little bit of that 
when I listen to the rhetoric surrounding this, it's time. Why? Because we're saying it's time that all of us got together, it's time that we all prayed together, that we repented, and that we give this country to God as if he's not here yet. And if we do all of this, and especially if we do it all together, then God will come, and he will erase all of our problems in a day or two. It'll be quick. All we need to do is to be faithful, is to be holy. And it's not the first time that this has happened. It started with the whole turning to God. I don't know, some of you aren't even old enough, I think, to remember turn to God. But it started with the turn to God campaigns. The whole idea of we have become, we have become so far removed from God, so unfaithful in our faith, that we, need to be, that we need to turn back. And once we turn back, things will be rosy. Things will be great again. The problem with that is that even in the Old Testament, that's not the message that remains. The message that remains, you see that especially in the prophets and especially in the minor prophets. I've only got text from Amos, but you see it everywhere. Is that God starts saying, you know what? It's wonderful that you are holy but it's not helping anything, your holiness. He says, make it your aim to do what is right, not what is evil, so that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty really will be with you as you claim he is. Hate what is evil, love what is right, and see that justice prevails in the courts. So that's just the first part, but do you hear you can go, just go back quickly, that it's, it's going over into action words. It's not, yes, pray is a wonderful thing, but it's not about praying, it's aiming to do what's right. It's about hating what is evil, loving what is right, seeing that justice prevails. And then we go on to the next bit, which is even, the Lord says, I hate your religious festivals. I cannot stand them. When you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will not accept the animals you have fattened to bring me as offerings. Stop your noisy songs. I do not want to listen to your harps. Instead, let justice flow like a stream and righteousness like a river that never goes dry. So, and that's just an, that's just an Amos. In all of the small prophets, there are 12 of them, the minor prophets, you hear this message again and again of God coming and saying, I told you I'm holy, be holy like me, but you are not understanding holiness correctly because holiness is about bringing righteousness into the world, is about bringing my love into the world. And if you're not doing that, then it doesn't help that you get together, that you bring me burnt offerings of your fattest calves, um, of your most worthy... Um, your most expensive perfumes, those things mean nothing if you're not doing what I've asked you to do. And that's where it becomes a little problematic because, and it's not just with its time, but I cannot, it has happened before, I cannot help but wonder how many people went 
how many people prayed from Canada, Australia, wherever, how many people participated and felt the Spirit move and say all of these wonderful things. They were refreshed, they were um, strengthened, and then go back home and continue on with their lives as normal. And that's where the problem comes in. It becomes even more clear because we could say, okay, but that's Old Testament. What, what about Jesus? What did he say? The amazing thing is that in Luke 6, as part of his whole, the Sermon on the Mount is also part of that text, as part of that, he changes the rule. The rule was, remember, be holy, like I am holy. I am holy, therefore you have to be holy. What does he make it? Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Not be holy, be merciful. And the Greek is actually compassionate. So, because merciful can sound like something that you can, it can, it can come from the top down. It can be, it can have a negative connotation. Almost, I'm from a position of strength, I'm helping you in a position of weakness. But compassion is being in a situation with one another, being fully present and in an equal presence and, and being there for each other, helping each other. So Jesus changes the rules. He says, don't, in everything else, yes, love Jesus, love others. How do you do that? By being merciful, by being compassionate. It's not about being holy. It's not about having massive prayer gatherings where we pray for a day and then what happens with that. It's about what we do with it. And then he goes on to talk about, right after this, he's, he talks about the fact that a tree is known by its fruits. So you're not going to have a thorn tree. Well, you might, but then you might, there might be something wrong. You're not going to have a thorn tree and expect apples from it. And when you don't get apples, say, damn it, why did this thorn tree not give me apples? Or have an apple tree and think it's going to have thorns. A tree is known by its fruit. Meaning, what we do is who we are. And then he goes further and says, why do you call me? Why do you call out to me, Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say, what I ask you to do? If you do what I ask you to do, you will be, and that's where we get, and there are Afrikaans and English versions of the song, that's where we get to the part, you will be like a man who has built his house on rock. Even if the waves come and it's a storm the size of a very big storm, which was the, what was the last? There are so many, I can't remember which one was last. Dineo was here with us. Okay, even if Dineo comes, shame, poor Dineo is everywhere. Even if Dineo comes and destroys everything around you because you are built on rock, nothing, you won't move. But everybody else who builds on sand, they will be gone. And it's, you are built on rock if you do what God asks you to do. So in this time of, we've just celebrated the fact that God has saved us. God has loved us enough to come and draw us a picture of what it means to live a good life because we weren't doing great with laws and with prophets. So he knew he had to do a little bit more than that. And he gave himself totally for all of us. The ultimate love 
gesture of love, giving everything. How, do that, how does that communicate into our life? How does that change our life? Is it supposed to change our life? A day like yesterday is not a bad thing. I'm not saying that Angus Buchan shouldn't do stuff like that. But I am saying that we need to think about why we do those things. And yes, there were quite a few people who prayed at the gathering, Lord, change me. Help me see. And that's what Nicholas was talking about last week. We, we will often pray for things to change and we find that God changes us and not the situation. But because we are changed, everything is different. Where we should actually get to a point, because of everything that has happened, because of who God is, because of what he asks of us, be merciful because I'm merciful, that our prayer should be, Lord, it's chaos. Help me see where I can bring change. Not, please come down, send your angels, and remove President Zuma, and we don't know who to replace him with yet, but you'll probably have a better answer. Not that. Because if we listen to these texts, I think God would want to tell us, but you're already here. You're telling me send your angels, but what about you? So, we're definitely not angels, but we can do a lot more than we think we can. And this is where it gets tough, and this is where the next example comes in, of people doing exactly that. On Palm Sunday, when we were here sitting, drinking wine, eating lamb, celebrating Passover, the Coptic church in Egypt was bombed in two places, in two different locations. They were bombed in Tanta, and they were bombed in Alexandria on Palm Sunday whilst the services were going on. 47 people were, were killed, hundreds of people were injured. ISIS claimed responsibility for the attacks. Horror, horror, horror. How do they react? They react by saying, I saw an interview of one of the guards. In Tanta, not a lot of people got hurt because the guards actually saw the guy and told him to go back through the metal, det metal detector and he detonated himself. So the guards died. An interview with one of the guards' wives, with that guard's wife, who said, it's horrible what happened, but I know he's in a better place. And I want to tell the guys who did this, I forgive you, because I understand your struggle. <laughs> that, is, that is intense. The, it's an, it was an Arab news program, and it's one of the most um, well-known Egyptian Arab presenters. Literally sat in silence for about, sure, it felt like three minutes, but it was probably a minute, because he had nothing to say. And then he just said, the Copts are tough. 
But that's the witness. As, as the things went on, yes, they had the services for, them, for the martyrs. They call them the martyrs because they died for their faith. But everybody in all of their communication kept talking about, yes, we are praying for our dead. Yes, we are praying for those who have experienced loss. But we are praying for those who did this. We are praying for them, for their families, for their situation. We are praying for the situation from which they come. We want to join hands with them. We want to try and help each other because it's not just us suffering, it's Egypt suffering. So we want to join hands with Muslims, with other Arabs that are not Muslims, with other Christians, and we want to save our country. When we say that we need to be merciful because God is merciful, then that is the kind of merciful that we're talking about. And it's painful. And you can't, I can't help but wonder, they have to be angry. Why aren't they angry? Are they angry and they're just hiding it? But because of their journey with God, because of their prayers every day, I'm sure, the prayers that I'm talking about, that we talked about, that we don't only need to do when it's time, of, Lord, help me to become more aware of what I can do here, is what helps them to come to a place where they can truly say, we want to forgive you, and we want to pray for you and your families. You killed our people, but we want to pray for you, because you need it. They are in heaven, they don't need it, you need it. Luckily, we're not, in, we're not cops, cops in Egypt, so we don't have to worry about ISIS bombings. But our country is kind of in a shambles. Not as big a shambles as that, but it's not going great. And it's very easy to become disheartened, to become depressed, and to think that there's no hope so let's immigrate. But it's very difficult to immigrate now. So um, let's go and visit our family who have immigrated and then just stay longer. Um, <laughs> what can this, what is Easter? What is God's message of being merciful? His example of being merciful. How do we translate that into going home, into going into th this week, which is a short one for, some, for most of you, not all of you. What do we do with this? And why bring in its time? Because it's actually quite simple. And it doesn't need you to change the world, because surprise, none of us are gonna change the world all in one go, or just as one person. It does ask of us to be present in our lives. To pray, to start every day with a prayer, God, show me where I can be of help. Show me where I can bring 
something of your love, something of your forgiveness, of your mercy, help me change so that I can help the situation change. A very good example um, was a story of a guy who was in the military. It was a Sunday. He was busy writing because he was a minister in the military. He was writing a beautiful spiritual um, piece and noise, music, loud music suddenly started. Very loud. But now he is, you're careful of the other guys in the military because you never know how they're going to be, especially on a Sunday afternoon. So he starts praying and saying, God, please make the music stop so that I can continue on with my, with my holy inspired work, which is good work. It's good work. But after an hour, nothing has happened yet. And then the thought strikes him. But if it's so important to me, why don't I do any? Why don't I do something about it? Why don't I get up and go across to where the music is and just ask them, "Hey guys, can you please just turn it down? I'm trying to be spiritual and right." And he did it, and it worked <laughs> amazingly. If these things are so important to us that we can come up from Cape Town and from everywhere, that we can Skype in from all over the world because we want to pray for South Africa, then it should be important enough for all of us in our small context to start being the hands and feet and bringing the change that necess that's necessary. <coughs> that's what God asks, asks of us. That's what being a Christian means. It's wonderful that we receive his love and acceptance but it was never meant to just be me basking in the warm glow of God's love and acceptance. It was always meant to flow over. It's so beautiful, as it says in Amos, where he says, let justice flow like a stream, righteousness like a river. And I want to make it even easier and say it's, yes, in your context, and things like poverty, things like Crime, corruption, all of those things are big things. And there might be places where you can help. For example, somebody that is in a very poor situation. You can help them by giving them bread. That helps. That's a way to start bringing the kingdom. To start showing them we care, I care enough that I'm seeing your need. But it's even easier than that and more difficult. It starts here. In this community. Because if we are not able to be there for each other, then how in the world are we going to be able to go to somebody at work and say, hi, I'm Han, how are you doing? What's going on in your day today? And it's funny because I, I'm, I'm kind of new. I think I still qualify as new, right? I've been here what, four times. I'm on the edge, on the verge. Yes. Is there a badge when I'm not new anymore? Why am I here? Never mind. <laughs> it's funny to me, as somebody who's new, to just sit in a corner and see how people interact. And I mean, we're a small group, and this is not like a normal church. So if you're here, you're here because you find the vibe comfortable. You're here because you, want, you don't want the normal. 
and yet, as we come in in our little groups, or our individual persons, I can see, and I, I can see this because I feel that way, please don't talk to me. Please don't ask me my name. I just want to get coffee and stand in a corner. And I don't want to ask you your name. Please, please, just leave me alone. And that's a problem, because I mean, this is a safe space. This is supposed to be a safe space, where we are supposed to be able to go and say, hi, I'm Han. Who are you? Tell me all about you. And next week, I'm probably going to have to ask you again, hi, I'm Han, because I am not, I don't remember names immediately. I unfortunately don't have that kind of memory. But do you understand what I'm saying? If we, we can start here, in the safe space, by starting to reach out to people that we don't know and saying, hey, I want to get to know you. And as you get to know them, you're going to get to know struggles in their lives. can start in baby steps. I'm not asking you to change the world tonight. I know that's a very frightening thought. Um, it's frightening to me as well. I, I'm speaking from sympathy because these things speak to me and I just think, God, can we just not have this conversation now? I don't want to have it. It's uncomfortable. And yet it keeps on coming. So let's start here, small, by actually introducing yourself to somebody that you don't know. I know it's, horri it's horrifying. You might feel like you're going to have a heart attack. It's not going to happen. If it does, we'll, we'll, we'll get you to the emergency room. We actually have a doctor in-house who will be able to CPR you. But in order for us to be merciful like God is merciful, we need to step out of our comfort zone. We need to start taking risks. And that is what I want to leave you with. Um, a wonderful quote of Mother Teresa, who, let's face it, if there was an angel on earth, she would have been it. And who, very interestingly, really struggled throughout her life with her impact and with what she was doing and whether it was okay or not. Somebody who we look at and think, sure, that is next level, was always struggling. So remember... The struggle is real. It's always going to be there. But that doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. Um, if we're talking about prayer and what prayer is supposed to do, I think an important thing is that we are actually supposed to start with silence. We are supposed to start by allowing God opening up space. Because He is here, but we are not necessarily aware of his presence. Uh, somebody uses a, oh, it's Crossan that uses a metaphor like electricity. You choose to plug in or not. The fact that you plug in or not does not mean the electricity is not there. It just means you're plugged in or not. So we need to create silence for God, for ourselves to be able to become aware of God. And once we are becoming aware, the fruit of silence is prayer. The fruit of prayer 
is faith. The fruit of faith is love. And this is where it gets important. The fruit of love is service. The fruit of service is peace. We tend to... Well, the silence part can make us uncomfortable if we're not used to meditative prayers. Then that already is a little bit strange. Because how do you talk to God by just sitting? But we're okay with that. And we're okay with prayer and that prayer leads to faith and faith leads to love. And then we would like it to stop. And lots of times with something like it's time, that's where it stops. We experience this wonderful feeling of love and euphoria and people are healed and people are changed. And when I meet you next week, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell whether, whether you were there or not. And that's what we need to start changing. We need to start realizing that from love flows service. And only then is peace possible. The peace that God wants us to experience. Because he wants us to experience this. He wants the world to experience this. That's why we're here. That's why he loves us. That's why he strengthens us. And that is that. I'm going to pray for us. Lord God, we so often forget how much we needed you. We forget who we were before we met you. That when we look around at people and judge them and think that they are not worthy of your love, they are not worthy of your forgiveness, the same could have been said about us. Especially for those of us who were lucky enough to grow up with faith. We forget Tonight we want to ask you to help us to remember the intensity of your love. How deep your grace is. How much your love means. We want to ask you that so that we can develop more mercy, more grace, when we look at the people around us, the situations around us. Help us to see ourselves. Help us to be able to be compassionate. Stand in the shoes of the people we judge. Not just stand in their shoes, start having a relationship with them. Lord God, sometimes, most times, when we think about you and the example you set, it feels like it's impossible to reach and yet through your spirit you want to make it possible for us little by little day by day please do not give up on us please do not give up on this journey with us make us aware of your presence give us the courage to start risking so that we can be your hands and feet and so that people can experience your love, your righteousness through us. 
The only reason we are able to pray this is because of Jesus Christ who gave everything. Help us to follow in his footsteps through the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray with us every day. In your name alone, God our Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit who is within us. Amen.